these guys go. It's interesting what Scott just shared in relation to the never taking for granted, I think he was saying, in relation to the, the good news of Jesus Christ. It would surely have to be the single most important message, isn't it? The single most important message. Would you, if you think about it for a moment, the moment that you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, that would have to be one of the single most exciting moments and important moments in our lives. For me as a 13-year-old, someone shared Jesus with me and I committed my life to Christ and I remember an incredible sense of thirst, quite physically but also spiritually, just wanting more of what God had for me. And, you know, I can remember some of you guys in your salvation moments. Um, how refreshing that was, how exciting that was, how special that was. And may I just um, encourage us tonight to never... Sometimes we, we live our Christian lives and, and, and we've been quite a fair few years in Christ, so to speak. But the, the very message of the, the, the Bible is the good news of Jesus, isn't it? Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> if you didn't receive it, you wouldn't be here tonight. We wouldn't have a destiny in heaven, would we? We wouldn't have a future and a hope. But Jesus came along and he said, I've given you a hope. And he, he, he quite literally, the word, we, we talk about these, these uh, words, but we receive salvation. It means salvation, sal saving from what? Saving from uh, death or eternal death and saved into eternal hope in heaven. I think it's one of the most exciting things. You know, the Bible is just full of the message of the gospel and the, in, in the, in the truth of Jesus. So tonight... How about we just share the most exciting message we could about Christ? How about I just share the most exciting message? Because I never want us to get used to this. You know, this morning, a young man responded again to Christ. That's exciting. I know he's responded before, but there's a process happening in his life. That's the most exciting thing, isn't it? Isn't it exciting? It's brilliant. Thank you. To all glory to God. But, you know, um, let's never become used to that, hey? Because if Jesus didn't pick me up out of the gutter, I tell you, I'd be, maybe I wouldn't be here. And maybe if Jesus hadn't grabbed a hold of your heart, whenever that may have been, maybe um, we'd, we'd find ourselves in different circumstances tonight. But there is a hope in Christ, hey? And you know, when we, we share the good news of Christ, we can do it in a number of ways. Hey, by the way, while I'm remembering, uh, there's a couple people uh, wanting to be water baptized, which is always exciting. If you know or are one of those who need to be water baptized, please come and see myself, Pastor Malcolm, ring through to the office as soon as you can, because we'll be in, hopefully within a couple, of, two or three weeks, that'll be happening, a baptismal uh, time. So... But, you know, when we share the good news of Christ, we can use many metaphors, many truths, many illustrations, many Bible references. But I want to use one tonight that I just think is, it's just one of many, but it's a great thought. Um, I want to just talk to you tonight uh, about, uh, uh, there was a, there's a couple of American men uh, called, one's called Dick and, his, uh, and there's one called Rick Hoyts. Some of you may have heard about these two guys. I think I've shared about them many, many, many years ago, but uh, actual fact, they're father and son. Um, Dick is the father, Rick is the son, okay? Um, together, they're quite famous in America, not, uh, and they're famous because of the amount of uh, running competitions they've been involved in, okay? Uh, they've actually run 64 marathons together. Uh, a marathon is just over 42 kilometers, you might be aware of that, but that's a, that's a long way, and they've run 64 of them. 
Uh, they've actually competed in 206 triathlons. Do you know what triathlons are? It's where you swim and then you bike, bicycle and then you run. Uh, 206 together. That's quite a feat, isn't it? Um, um, they've done six uh, triathlons at Ironman distances, which is like 100 kilometers running and like, you know, 10 kilometers swimming. And it's like, you know, uh, it's incredible. Uh, uh, they've done 204 10-kilometer races. Uh, and since 1975, they've crossed nearly 1,000 finish lines. Dick and Rick Hoyt. Um, they've actually crossed across the United States of America. Uh, they've run across it. took 45 days uh, and um, 3,735 miles, which is probably in the vicinity of 5,000-plus kilometers. And so they've done a quite a bit of running, quite a bit of riding, quite a bit of swimming together. But you may say, why would I emphasize these two gentlemen, father and son? Well, the reason I would is because their amazing thing about Rick, who is the son... He can't run. He can't swim. And in factual fact, he can't even walk. He can't even talk. He can't function. He can't even feed himself. He can't dress himself. He can't do any of those things. Um, you see, in 1962, Rick, so I was, that's a year older than myself. In 1962, he was born. And when he was born, the umbilical cord of his mother's womb was wrapped around his throat and it starved his brain of the necessary oxygen for full normality for him to be born. And so when he was born, he lost some function in his body. He lost all those functions. And the doctors said that there'd be no possible possibility of any reasonable development in his physical body. And so, um, but as he grew up, even though he couldn't walk or talk or feed himself or dress himself... Uh, they found that his brain was fully functional in intelligence sense. He actually went and graduated out of high school. He then proceeded to graduate from university. An amazing young man. He was a, he was a fully normal person in his brain with a, in a body that didn't work. Wow, what a situation. And when this young man was 15 years of age... He communicated to his dad, as he did through a computer that they started to have in those days, Dad, could we go and do a fun run together? It was only five kilometers. Now, Dick Hoyts was not a runner, but he was a father. So he picked his son up. He put him in a three-wheeled wheelchair. Maybe you've seen some of them that, uh, um, that they can, you can push people in. And so he pushed him the five kilometers, and that started a journey of literally hundreds and hundreds of kilometers of running, swimming, and biking that they continued. Because the father, Dick, found his son, Rick, felt the most free and the most excited about life when he was pushing him along those um, roads throughout America and racing with him. What an incredible story of devotion and commitment to his son. Would you agree? It kind of captures your heart of such love that the father had for his son. And, um, I, and as I consider this, there's a, uh, there's a picture that I had. I gathered some pictures together and I put them in. Here they are. And uh, maybe you've seen these pictures, but down on the right, uh, bottom right, you can see, uh, obviously, Rick there uh, with his 
inability to function. That's a smile, by the way. That's his best smile on the bottom right and with his father Dick. And then on the top left is them in this three-wheel wheelchair. And then on the top right is them coming across the a marathon run in, in, in obviously Tokyo, I believe it's in. And then on the bottom left, there he is in his beanie. You can just see his head and his glasses and his neck brace and his dad pushing him along. What a commitment, uh, amazing thing. You see, Rick um, had a willing heart, but he could make, understand this, he could make no contribution to the effort, could he? All he could do was sit there. Rick depended entirely on the strength of his dad. In my point tonight is this. God wants you to do the same. God wants you to do the same. God wants you to realize that ultimately, while we can function normally, we have hands and feet and we can do all that we want to do. The reality is, is that when it comes to receiving salvation, when it comes to receiving God into our lives, when it comes to receiving the hope, and it's a, it's a, it's a spiritual interaction. And that's when we've got to lean upon God. In actual fact, as in the spiritual, so it moves over into even our physical realm. It can affect this for good. Who knows that having God in our life and receiving Christ as our Lord and Savior can affect our attitudes and it can affect our demeanor in life. It can affect the way we live every day because there's joy and peace and a hope now and not misery and anger and frustration and unforgiveness. We can live in the blessing of God. I reckon that's a good day, don't you? That's what God wants to give to us, add to us through the salvation of our souls. It actually says this wonderful verse that many of us know off by heart, John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting what? Life. That's a promise. I tell you what, that's enough to get excited about just that tonight. There's a hope and a future for us. You know, we live in a world that seems to be bent on destroying itself, but we live in a world, in the, in the Christian sense, that there's a hope and a future, no, what, no matter what this world goes through. There is a, there's an excitement in that, isn't there? See, the phrase in this verse, it says, believes in him, doesn't go down well with the world because the world says, believe in yourself. The world says, you know, you've got to work harder, climb higher, um, you know, dig deeper, um, try harder. Self-reliance is our goal. That's what the world says. Self-reliance. Do it all yourself. You know, I'm okay, God. I'll, I'll kind of call upon you when I really do need you. No, no. God says I'm here all the time. But the world says it's just about yourself. Some people think all paths, some people think all paths lead to heaven. You know, um, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, humanism, they don't all lead to the same place. It's going to be a little bit disappointing for some people when they've followed maybe a certain belief system and find it's not heaven that they actually end up in, but the other place that they end up. That's going to be a shock, isn't it? I thought all paths lead to the heaven. But God says this. God gets very exclusive in this verse because he says, in him. Just two words, in him, but it's exclusive. There's, you can't have salvation in anybody else except in Him. In Him. That's our Heavenly Father. That's Jesus. And we bring to the spiritual race what the young man Rick brings to the physical one. Nothing. Nothing. 
We, we can't impress God. We can't come to God and say, God, look at my credentials. Thank you. You're right. Agree. Good on you. Look at my credentials. We can't come to God and say, look at my ability. Look at the gift in God. Certainly I deserve salvation because of all these things. He says, it's nothing. You know what? The, he says, it, it doesn't prove anything. It doesn't do anything for your salvation. You know, salvation is simply coming, receiving and believing in Christ Jesus. It's, it's a heartfelt faith, isn't it? It's, it's not, and there's not, see, you know, we're saved by faith. We're saved not by good works, but we're saved for good, for good works. So good works don't get us there. God's not impressed with all our ability and gifting. But, of course, out of that can flow good work. Out of that can flow gifting. Out of that flow our desire to serve. And that's a wonderful thing. But the reality is we bring nothing to the effort of salvation except receiving and believing in Jesus Christ. Our good deeds cannot carry us across the finish line. Only one Father can take us across. Sorry, only our Father can take us across. Just like Dick's son uh, does with his son, it's a labour of commitment and love, and that's what God we are. We're a labour of God's love and His commitment to us. And your goodness can't win God's love, nor can your badness lose His love. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes we think. Well, my goodness, I must be closer to God this week because, you know, I just have more love for God. No, God's loved you all the time the same. And then some weeks we have a bad week. Well, I've done some things wrong. Maybe God doesn't love me as much. Folks, you've got to understand he doesn't change his love for you. It doesn't mean that, uh, you know, um, that... Um, you know, that we can't lose our salvation. I think we can. I think we can walk away from God and say, I'll just do my own thing, God. But God stands at the door, it says in Revelations, and knocks on the door. You notice he doesn't barge in. He just knocks on the door of our heart all the time. Maybe he's knocking on the door of your heart again tonight and say, come on, come on. And he waits for you to open the door. He says, if you open the door, I'll come in with you and I'll actually sup with you. I'll have a meal. I'll, I'll sit down. We'll have intimate conversation together and but he waits for us to open the door but his love will always be there you cannot run far enough God will always be there someone said God's like the hound of heaven he's always there he'll find us where we're at what a wonderful incredible God we serve um I was interested in this verse in Romans chapter 4, verse 5, and I wanted to read it from the Message Bible, and I wanted to just put it up here. It actually has verse 4 encompassed in it as well, and it says this, um, Message Bible. So it's fairly um, contemporary. If you're a hard worker and you do a good job, you deserve your pay. We don't call your wages a gift, but if you see that the job is too big for you, that, it, that it's something only God it's only something only God can do, and you trust him to do it. You could never do it for yourself, no matter how hard and how long you worked. Well, that trusting in him to do it is what gets you set right with God, by God, sheer gift. Pretty paraphrased, but it kind of declares very much the, the, the theme of God's heart, that um, we cannot uh, attain uh, more of God's love. His love is ultimately always there, always um, wanting to embrace us. It's just us that need to respond. It's just, it's just those workmates that you work with. It's just that family members that you're believing for. If you're going to pray for them, pray that their hearts would respond to the message. 
that they would see the incredible love God has for them, has, has always had for them, even though they've never acknowledged him. Uh, he acknowledges them. And that's good news, isn't it? That is exciting news. You know, if, if we could appreciate and understand the greatest news, you know, you'll wake up tomorrow morning and you'll go on the internet and look at the news or you'll watch Sunrise or whatever you watch on television, see the news. I tell you what, there might be some good news there. That's good to hear that. But I want to tell you the greatest news is that Jesus Christ is wanting to save the souls and love of, of you and your loved ones and people. He wants to bring them out of darkness into light. That's the greatest news of all. That's the greatest truth. I never want to get used to that. I never want to get, oh, well, that's nice. You've come to Jesus. Just settle down and don't get too excited now. You know, just, just become passionless. Just settle in. No, get passion. Keep excited. Jesus Christ is the best thing that's happened to you all day. I tell you. I tell you. And we've got to realize that. It's the best thing. You think, well, last night's dinner was fantastic. Well, that's brilliant. But I tell you, Jesus is better. You might have said, well, last night I had a brilliant sleep. Well, that's good. But I tell you what, Christ is better than anything you've ever experienced. You might have said, well, I had a fantastic massage last week. Oh, it was so relaxing. I tell you what, Jesus Christ is better than that even. I don't know what really turns your knob, ticks your box, whatever it may be that you get excited about. But may we always get excited about Christ salvation hey in what he's done for us God continues to protect us you know God continues to look after us it says in John 28 and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand now that's talking about those who've committed their life to Christ. It's talking about people who are continually living in Christ. It's not talking about, sometimes people can interpret that verse and say, oh, once saved, always saved. Well, no, I'm afraid I don't, cannot believe that from Scripture. I, I think there's people who walk away and wander from God. It's not, that they, it's not that God wanders from them or walks away from them, but he calls them and he continues to knock on that door. But the reality of those, those in Christ he said, no one, no one can snatch you unless you allow that to happen. God wants to, to protect us. He wants to continue to remind us eternal life is our destiny as we walk in him. Um, you know, as parents, we understand God's commitment. Sorry, as, you know, as parents, we understand God's commitment to us because when our children stumble... We don't disown them. I'm thankful for that, that God always, you know, when I stumble or I muck up, that God's not there ready to necessarily hit me over the head or smack my bottom. No, he's there to say, come on, come on, there's a better life than that. I'm just glad. As parents, we understand that. We don't dismiss our children and cast them out because they make one mistake. I'm grateful for a God that wants to embrace us. He wants to continue to help us to live for him. Um, God's in, he gives us strength. He gives us spiritual tools. He gives us things like his Holy Spirit to dwell within us. He gives us his spiritual armor that we can, we can you know, in a sense, have on our body. A helmet of salvation, a shield of faith, and the belt of truth, and the sword of the Spirit. He gives us things to help us to live this Christian life. I'm so glad. It says in Ephesians 4.30 that he sealed us with the Holy Spirit for the day of salvation. In other words, when we receive salvation, the Holy Spirit can come and live within our lives. And then there's a wonderful baptism of the Holy Spirit where he wants to fill us so that we can continue to live strong and, and uh, 
faithful in, in service to him. So God has, he has his uh, ways of helping us and guiding us and, and lifting us out of the old way of life into new ways of life for him. I'm so grateful for that. He, he gives us eternal security. And I know I've mentioned it, but eternal security is so... Uh, it's good to know that because we, uh, um, we live in a world where people don't know about their future. They're not quite, they haven't got an eternal security. They're not, they're not quite sure what happens after death. They're kind of guessing, that, they're hoping that it'll be okay. Um, you know, it's no good just hoping. It's good to know, isn't it? That we can have a, a, a trust. That if we were to pass away this very moment, that we would know that our, that our future and our destiny is secure in Him. And He talks about heaven as that destiny. Now, we don't know what, we only can read about heaven. We don't know what heaven's like, but... And maybe none of us have experienced it. Um, I've read some great stories, talked to some people, in the, in the fact that when they've died on the operating table, they see a light and they've gone to heaven and they've come back again. And, and I'm grateful for those testimonies that seem wonderful. But personally, I'm not quite sure. But I do want to know that I might know what heaven is exactly like, but I do know that what Jesus is like, and I know that he promises us that. And so, it's, so does our Heavenly Father. Um, you know, and so people live life, uh, you know, not knowing what the reality of, of security. And their life kind of just, it, it, the, the joy of life gets sucked out of life because they're really not sure what the future holds. Um, the lack of eternal security sucks the joy from many people. And they don't know where they, what they, what's going to happen after death. And only Christ offers, Christ offers a security and a confidence and a peace in our hearts about our future. Um, you know, compared to the offers from other religions, uh, it's very interesting because if you were to just take a moment, I've just read Ju Judaism, for instance, uh, sees salvation as a judgment day based on morality. In other words, how good we have been or how bad we've been will determine our, our eternal destiny. Uh, Hinduism anticipates multiple reincarnations. You know what reincarnation is? When you come back as something else. Um, I don't want to come back as something else. I want to just be me and I want to go to heaven. What about you? You know, reincarnation, you can come back as a frog. Oh, what an exciting life. Eh? And if you do really good, you can come back as something much more intelligent. Uh, maybe a monkey. I'm not quite sure. But that's what Hinduism says. Buddhism says, grade your life to see if you have lived up to certain truths. Muslims earn their way to Allah by performing certain duties. I want to tell you, it's, a, it's going to be it's a sad day for a Muslim who dies not knowing Jesus Christ when they think they're going to be in God's presence and they're not. Um, what else have we got? Um, I want to tell you that no one but Jesus Christ can give you the security of a safe landing in heaven. No one but Jesus Christ. You may say, how do you know that, James? You haven't tried the other religions. Or when you've tried the best, you've got to forget the rest. I tell you, when you've tried the best, you don't need the rest. Because um, Satan has continued to spin his lie through the, through the communities of this world a year, a decade, and century after century, telling you, well, this is the way to live. And they've even taken parts of Christianity and messed it up and screwed it up, and it's called different religions, as you know. And it's got no security in it. No security. It's through Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't bag the people in other belief systems. I, I, I just hunger that they would come to know the truth. 
Because it says the truth will set you free from the lies of the devil, the lies of the enemy. See, some historians place Christ along with Moses and Muhammad and Confucius, who are all real people, all real people, and other spiritual leaders. But Jesus refuses to share the same page as them. Because it says in John 14, 6, he declares that I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and no one comes to the Father but my me. He declares that. He won't share the page with anybody else. Why? Because he's, he's, he thinks he's better? No, no, not at all. He just knows the truth. He is the truth. And it's interesting. He could have said, I know the way. Jesus could have said, I could show you the way. But he speaks not of what he does, but who he is. And he says, I am the way. No other religious spiritual leader can say that. He is the way. He just doesn't know the way. He just doesn't want to point you. Jesus doesn't stand at some intersections of your life and say, well, that's the way. No, he says, you come to an intersection, follow me. I am the way. That's what he says. That's what he wants to do for us. Some say all paths lead to Rome. In other words, we will all have different beliefs. We'll, and yet, we'll all, they'll all lead to God. Ah, that, that's never going to happen. But every path does not lead to God. Jesus blazed a trail, the void of self-salvation. He cleared, he, he cleared he's one-of-a-kind passageway, uncluttered by human effort. That's the way to Jesus. And we enter his way upon, um, we enter his way up, upon confusion of our sorry upon confession of our need and not the, the um, completion of our deed. So it's the confession of our heart, it says in the Word of God, and confession of our mouth and belief in our heart that we receive Jesus Christ. It's that heartfelt um, understanding in this confession of our mouth. Because um, out of the heart, the mouth speaks, doesn't it? So we've got to be aware that what we speak is come from in here. And if in our heart is a belief and a sincere desire for Jesus, then out of that heart we'll be able to confess, yes, Jesus is my Lord. I think that's a great confession. Uh, he offers a unique invitation in which he works and we trust him. He died, as Scott shared, and we live. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. He invites and we believe. That's a great deal. Jesus does that. How do we believe? We do what young Rick Hoyts did. We turn to our father for help. We rely, he, he relied on his father to push him across the finish line. And what Rick and Dick Hoyts done, they crossed the finish line. Both received finishing medals. Both were able to, uh, the son shared in the victory, even though the father had done all the hard work. Isn't it good? We share in the victory of salvation, even though Jesus done all the hard work even though he took it on the cross. We crossed the finish line. It's going to be a great day. I tell you what, it's a great day now because he says when you come to Christ, you can have abundant life today. It's been often because you say, what's abundant life? Well, often abundant life is you do the exchange, the misery for the hope, the anger for the joy, the anguish for the peace. I tell you what, that's a good day. And even when we get to heaven, it's going to be even a better day. Because we're going to walk into heaven and we're going to find that, you know, there's a victory lap that we can do. Hey, we've made it. God has come through with the promise. And uh, we didn't have to do much except just believe and receive the message. See, God has the same desire for us to share the victory with us, 
but he takes for us to believe. Your goodness can't win God's approval tonight and your badness can't um, lose his approval tonight. He loves us. And the one thing that you, the one thing you stop you is you can resist his invitation. I don't want you to resist it. I love you to accept it because it's a great thing. It's a great hope. Um, could we stand tonight? Three things. I just let me finish with these thoughts. Just as I share these simple thoughts tonight, as the musicians and singers come. Three reasons why you need Jesus in your life. First. Because you have paid, uh, because you have a past. We all have a past, don't we? We all have a past. That's why we need Christ. Because I have a past. It's not, you know, uh, it's not a very nice past sometimes. I've, I've blown it. I've sinned. I've done the wrong thing. But you know, the reality is, is that um, you can't go back. But Jesus can. And it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. He can walk into the places of sin. He can walk into the failure. He can wipe the slate clean and give you a new beginning. That's why we need Jesus. He's a new beginning. The second reason we need Jesus is because you need a friend. I need a friend. Now, we have friends here, which is wonderful. But Jesus is a, is a friend that's better than anybody. He sticks closer than a brother. He knows the worst about you, and yet he believes the best about you. Why does he do that? Because he sees you not as you are, but as the way you will become. I love that. And, and uh, what a friend. I need a friend like that. Sticks closer than brother. Thirdly, why do we need a basketball? Thirdly, because he holds the future. He holds the future. What a wonderful thing. I don't know my future. I can't see the future, but I do know the one who holds it. And that's a real confidence. I have a real trust. And uh, see, it's who are you going to trust? In his hand, you are safe and secure today, tomorrow, and for all eternity. His word says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. The plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And in those days when you pray, I will what? Listen to you. God is willing to listen to you. He's looking to listen to you. Jeremiah says that. So tonight, this is the message. Why would I share such a simple message? A message that maybe you've heard a hundred times. Because this is the message that you need to share with others. This is the message that we need to share. The love of God. The love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts needs to be shed abroad in the hearts and lives of other people. And we're the gospel of Christ in human form, aren't we? We're the ones. Whether it's your workmate, whether it's your loved ones. That's why I encourage you to do a couple things. That's why I encourage you to pray. Because I tell you, prayer breaks through, does something. And secondly, not just pray, but also just say, Father, today, as I go into my place of work or school or wherever, maybe there's an opportunity that will arise. Someone will come up and just start a conversation, and there it will be. I could just simply present Christ. Are you bold enough to want to present Christ and not hold back and say, oh, what will they think of me? Well, I tell you what, I'd rather be concerned about what God thought of me than maybe what people thought of me. What do you think? But, you know, we're here tonight. And the truth is, maybe you're here and the reality is, is that you've been a Christian before, but you need to say again, I need to respond to Christ. I need to put him first in my life because I have a tendency to put him second, third, fourth in my life. Now, he doesn't condemn you for that. Certainly the Holy Spirit will convict you. 
and say, come on, put him first. Put Jesus first. And I would just challenge you tonight about putting Christ first in your life. And not just second or third or fourth down the line. But when you put him first, by putting him first, he doesn't take from your life. He adds to your life. You find life's more full when you put him first place. And maybe you're here tonight and you've, you've just allowed that to slip and you've not put him first. And tonight, I'd love to just pray for you where you are. And I love you just tonight to indicate to me if you want to put Christ first is to put your hand up. Maybe for the first time that you put Christ first. Or maybe tonight you need to do it again because you know that things have just slipped. Why don't you be honest with yourself? God loves you. He's extending his arms and hands to you. He says, come on, put me first. Who wants to put Christ? Can we just bow our heads, just close our eyes for a moment? And I just ask you to respond by raising your hand. I'll see that hand. You can put it down. Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down, my brother. Thank you, sister. I can see that hand. You can put it down. Thank you, sister. I can see that hand. You can put it down. Just put in Christ. Thank you, my brother. You can put that down. Thank you. Over there, I saw that hand. You can put it down there. Okay, just thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Anybody? We'll just wait just a moment longer. Anybody else? Because we're going to pray. We're going to pray in a moment. We're going to allow Holy Spirit just to come and continue the work in our lives. I cannot do a thing. I'm just a simply catalyst for the Holy Spirit to work. So are you. But it's His work in our hearts. So how about we pray? I want us to pray the prayer together. Because it simply is a prayer of commitment together that we can do. All of us could pray it. I know that we do it. You know, like Scott said, oh, you do this Sunday after Sunday. Well, I think it's the most exciting thing that we could do is to see people responding to Christ and wanting to live for Him. So right now, let's pray a prayer. And those who responded, those five or six people, would you please pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight just as I am. And I thank you that you love me and you've always loved me. Thank you for sending Jesus. And right now, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that God, you sent Jesus so that I may be forgiven of my sin. Please take it now and help me to live for you. I know tonight I can't do anything to earn my salvation, but I receive your free gift in Jesus' name. Help me, Lord, to put you first today, tomorrow, and forever. And I thank you that you don't leave me when I fail but you care and love me. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I thank you for precious lives tonight that you're ministering to. I thank you for the power of your good news of Jesus Christ. I thank you that we can celebrate that through communion, but we can celebrate it through your word, through worship and through praise tonight. I thank you for each precious person, that, Lord, we stand as equals tonight under the, the foot of the cross. No one better than the other. No race, culture, 
tongue better than, but together we stand as brothers and sisters. And Lord, we pray that you would strengthen each one that raised their hands to walk with you in the ways that you would uh, want them to. And may it, Father, influence the very way we live life so that we can be um, examples and testimonies of your grace and mercy. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. How about we give the Lord an incredible hand and praise Him tonight. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight. We thank you tonight.